0: We make Spine of Isha an indestructible creature and equip it to World Slayer.
1: They just make a creature
0: dare him to kill it.
1: Do you know this guy?
0: No, no, Chris, Chris, we're onto something, right?
1: You're on something? I don't about onto something. Hello, good evening, and welcome to episode 47 of Horde of Notions. 47, isn't that, Elishnor? Sweet. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, we have two of the normal hosts. First of all, the man, the myth, the legend, Three-Legged Will. Howdy. And, of course, the squirrel lover himself, Travis.
2: Hey, how's it, doing?
1: Adina is working tonight, but she will be joining us next week, hopefully. So... Without any ado, we're going to jump straight into what we've been playing. Travis, I hear you have been making ninety-nine card decks with a commander.
2: Yes, I'm, uh, I, I lost my whole weekend to commander. I, I play it. All, I play it in paper, but I finally decided to start playing it on Magic Online, and yeah, that was a mistake.
1: <laughs> now, when I used to play it on, on online, there were just a whole bunch of griefers on there. Has it got any better?
2: I probably played uh, 20 to 30 matches this weekend, and I don't think I faced any
0: real griefers.
1: They all
2: seem to be legitimate decks, and everybody seemed to want to have fun.
0: Well, actually, what times were you playing? Like what hours, say?
2: Primarily during the day, from like uh, okay. say 10 in the afternoon until like 7 at night.
1: All right, because 10 in the afternoon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, that's what it did to me this weekend.
1: <laughs> the ability
2: to function time-wise.
0: Because I know, like, I'll, like, I have a couple of decks that are built that are not, like, super competitive. It's just more cards that I had lying around, and uh I'll play during rounds of other tournaments. And normally when you're playing during the day, like, it's other, you know, semi-competitive decks or competitive decks. But, like, when you start getting into the night, like, there's a lot of Griefer decks that you're just, like, they go off, like, turn one, and you're, like, okay, good job. Like, I can see it. And I'm, like, no, no, I want to do my combo. And it's, like, I've already been waiting here five minutes. I don't really want, like you know, I actually want a game to be going on.
2: Well, I did uh, use Chandra the Firebrand's ability with a Ring of Bright Hearth activation to wrecking ball my opponent's only three lands, so maybe I was the griefer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that still requires a decent amount of lands and activations of, uh, oh no, that's true, Chandra, you can just minus two her right away, but like, there's still some turns progressions that go with that. That is true. It's not just turn one, I win. But, wait a second, before I win, I need to spend 15 minutes dirtling around.
2: I did play one guy who put uh, 35 cards into play on turn 4, and <laughs> that was probably the most agonizing game i played this all weekend. <laughs> just because it took 20 minutes for his turn, and then he didn't even win. I had to go ahead and continue playing after that for 7 or 8 more turns. <laughs> 7 or 8 more turns? <laughs> just he he of, played just about it. everything in the deck, but it didn't really do anything. That's what happens when you have Guy's Cradle and a bunch of one ones. <laughs>
1: An Omnath, I presume?
2: Uh, multiple ways of untapping the Guy's Cradle. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Twiddle effects and things like that, so yeah.
1: Do you just know this is a guy who like opened a Guy's Cradle when there was other block drafts going on and decided he had to put it in a Commander deck despite not having anything good to put with it?
0: Yeah, I do that as well.
1: I would have I had
2: a guy's cradle online.
1: <laughs> One thing I learned about uh, Commander recently is that you don't play coat of arms in a deck with a lot of changelings. Math is hard.
2: <laughs> That's why you do that only online. That way you don't have to do the math it does the math for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but math is still hard. I
0: don't know. I might disagree with that a bit.
1: Isn't your degree in math?
0: Just a little bit. <laughs>
1: My degree so is English,
0: that? so of course I have to hate your math degree. <laughs> like I naturally have to, if I see you in person, draw an M in the sky. What? Because he'll end up working at McDonald's.
1: <laughs> Remind me where you work, Well, I don't
0: work at
2: all. Uh, ah!
1: <laughs> so what What deck are you playing online, Travis? I presume it's something red and black.
2: Uh, I started with my Squirrel deck. The one I posted on uh, Manito Deprived a few months ago, and uh I had so much fun with that one. I said, "Hey, let's build some more." So I mainly built a uh, Jun deck, a Bant deck, and I've been working on just a straight up uh, red green deck.
1: Interesting. So you're not going away from the green then?
2: <laughs> no, I have a I have a
1: affinity for green cards,
2: and they are actually really good in Commander. I like being able to search yeah. out all those really good lands.
1: Yeah, Primeval Titan here is pretty good in Commander.
2: Yes, so is Sylvan Scrying.
1: One of these things is not like the other.
2: One of them you can play turn one or turn two.
1: Sure, the other one bashes face, though.
2: Whenever I play Primeval Titan in Commander, it always gets stolen and I end up regret playing it. I regret having that thing on the board to crush me.
1: Oh, you know what's really good in Commander is Phyrexian Metamorph under a Mimic Vat. Yes, it is. Or is that just good in general?
2: I was going to say, that would be good in just about any format. <laughs> Maybe not vintage. Uh,
1: I don't know, you could just copy Black loaders. <laughs> that doesn't seem terrible.
2: You know, you could copy the Mimic Vat every time it comes into play.
1: Okay, now you've just blown my mind. <laughs> so, am I to understand, Will, that you still haven't been playing Magic...
0: I've been planning for a magic trip. Must get some brownie points.
1: No. no you don't even get, like, any baked good points for that. Uh, you no, get, like,
0: broccoli did... points for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw uh, on uh, Channel Fireball this week, LSV posted a uh, Omniscience uh, show-and-tell crystal brand-ish deck that's, like, all kinds of crazy.
1: No, I haven't seen that. All right,
0: it's a legacy deck obviously. And uh I had a buddy who was uh, testing for the mocks who needed some say help on what deck he should play because he's kind of not into testing at all. So he he had the cards in his account and I gave it a, a little bit of a whirl and uh that deck is uh it's it's fun. Like, if you're going to play a Legacy event and you have the ability to make, acquire these cards, it's just, there's a whole lot of different angles to it, and it's quite a fun card. Uh, it's quite a fun deck to be playing, especially when you can go Omniscience, uh, casting Gristlebrand for free, then pay 7 life to draw 7 cards to play a whole lot of more more cards for free.
1: And of course, there's the interaction with Emrakul in that if you play Emrakul with Omniscience, you get to take the extra turn.
0: Yes. that's Actually, that's like one of the least interesting interactions, though. There's uh, there's Petals of Insight in the deck,
1: which... Oh, that's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> which is, uh, look at the top three cards of your library. If you want, you can uh, put them on the bottom. Uh, and if you do, uh, Petals of Insight returns to your hand. If you don't, you draw three cards. So... Basically, it lets you get an infinite storm count if you really want, or it lets you find other combo pieces that you want. So it has a, uh, it has burning wish as well. So then you can go and get uh, something like a grape shot out of the sideboard, or you can go get a whole bunch of other uh, funky uh, cards out of the sideboard. So it's it's my kind of deck for legacy. Like, it's pretty crazy and pretty fun. And since I'm like, I love decks like dream halls. Uh this is like right in that wheelhouse. It's basically yeah. absurd. It uh, it's basically a, you know, a one sided dream hall, but you don't have to discard the card which makes it a whole lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I really want to try Omniscience and Legacy. I also want to try the um food chain combo with Miss Miss Bourne. and Miss Bourne? No, I can't stop thinking about that bloody book. Miss Hollow Griffin. That's the one. It's a good book? It is. its is. It, I'm just addicted. I read 200 pages last night. Well, this morning, really.
2: And Sanderson is a huge Magic fan.
1: So I hear. Maybe we should get him on the podcast. That would be awesome.
2: Yes, it would. And he does a lot of podcasts. His uh, writing podcast um, was up for an award this year.
1: Okay, folks, there you have it. If you would like Brandon Sanderson on Horde of Notions for Episode 50 tweet at him, his his tweet, Twitter handle is at Brand Sanderson, let him know you'd like to hear him on our podcast, and uh, we'll do everything we can to get him on, because that might just top John Finkel.
2: It just might.
1: So, I guess, uh, I guess I'll talk about what I've been playing. Uh, I gave Reed Duke's uh, Blue Wolf Run list a run out. Uh, any deck that runs eight main deck miracles is okay by me. The deck's really powerful. does some obscene things. And I enjoyed the heck out of playing it. Uh, Didn't have as much success as I hoped. I made a couple of misplays. I sideboarded pretty poorly as well. Um, But overall, I think with some more experience playing the deck, it's going to be really good. Uh, Not much to say about that, really. It's pretty much an established deck now. But I did play... uh, Samuel Black posted a uh, mono-red trading post deck. which ran uh, of Phoenix, one of uh, our good friend Smitty's favorite cards of all time. And I tried that at FNM. Uh, it didn't do so well. I don't think the list was right for my meta. Like, for one thing, there were no bonfires in it. I asked him about it, and he said uh, it was too slow. But I think the deck really would have benefited from them because I ran into a couple of Hero of Bladehold decks, and when you're playing Slagstorm and Whip Flares as your sweepers, you have no way to deal with a 4-Toughness dude. But it does some really powerful things. Uh, Kaldatha Phoenix is ridiculously good. I don't know why people weren't playing this before. But being able to attack for four, the turn it comes down, and then being able to discard it to trading post or even a faceless looting, knowing that you're just going to get it back uh, once you hit turn four, it's just really good. Uh if you see that list?
2: I did not, but it sounds intriguing. Neither did
0: I. I heard about it, though.
1: Yeah, it's really good. I mean, Galvanic Blast ostensibly should be able to take care of a hero of Bladehold, but I never saw one when there was a hero on the table. Not in li- not in time to save my life, anyway. Uh, the Metamorph and the Wormcoil Engines were hiding from me. It was uh, I-, I enjoyed it. I played a Shrine of Burning Rage in there, even though the deck doesn't have a lot of red spells. It does grind for the long game, so eventually it's just going to get to the point where it's lethal anyway. Even if you never do cast more than one or two red spells to uh, to make it any better, so I think that's a possibility uh, to to include in maybe in greater numbers. But yeah, I I enjoyed playing it even if it didn't do too well. St- I'm still I'm really loving trading post decks right now. There's a white green one I saw that uh, four a daily, and Brad Nelson also played it in the latest Brad versus Jerry um, play test video. I haven't watched the video yet, but the list looks sweet. It runs for task, it runs Terminus and Entreat the Angels. It's got you know the the Trading Post, Ica Wellspring, Magnuson's Mel- Wellspring interactions. It's got all sorts of shenanigans with uh, Worm Coil Engine as well. It just keeps sweeping the board and then playing huge creatures. And the Trading Post is just so versatile. I I can't uh, I can't avoid playing it right now. I think it's just too good. So how many Plus, different
2: colored decks have we seen? We've seen Mono Black, Mono Red, Mono Blue, haven't we? Trading post.
1: Uh, I've played Mono Blue-ish. It's Splash Black for Tezzeret, and it was really good.
2: So now we just need Mono Green Trading Post. Someone get to it.
1: Well, you know, we might want to think about that later on when we get to Gavin's challenge, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we've also seen White Black and Mono White... So yeah, there's. Uh, I think the trading post is just so versatile, and with things like Spine of Ishla and the Wellsprings still in the format, the card has a lot of potential.
0: Oh, now because you'll play Spine of Ishla, but not before when I was suggesting it.
1: I did play it when you suggested it.
0: Mm. Oh, no, it was exclusion
1: right. ritual that I didn't play.
0: Mm. I don't remember that spine being played.
1: I didn't play it in my blink deck, because I had something I wanted to do at 7 mana that seemed better.
0: Right, that's where you went wrong. I don't remember.
1: Well, Skull Reaver does win games.
0: Really? That's I've never seen that, so that happen.
1: <laughs> Will has seen it happen. Will was standing right over me when it won a game.
0: I've also seen you pay 3 mana for, like, 5 turns <laughs> in a row, just for the sake of paying 3
3: mana.
1: <laughs> yeah, I put them off to a side for some... Anyway, that's a, a long-ago story that has absolutely no bearing on the effectiveness of Star Reaver in that deck. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's an awesome card that should go in every deck, but in the deck I played it in, it was very effective and very good. All right, let's move on to our uh, main topic for the week. One of the things that came out of the World Magic Cup this week, which, by the way, we all got wrong. What about that Top 8.
0: Yeah, I'm like surprised. Belgium just like completely crapped Poohed out. Bed.
1: Yeah. And Japan I think Japan were affected by their cab ride. For those who haven't heard, Japan the the players flew into Washington DC, could not get a flight from Washington to Indiana because they were all overbooked and they got bumped. Ended up taking a cab from Washington D C to Indiana or to Indianapolis to get there in time for <laughs> the World Magic Cup. That's
0: one hell of a cab ride.
1: That cost gonna 1400 like, bucks. Yeah, I was going to say, like eleven
0: billion dollars <laughs> Is Wizards pay for that?
1: I don't think so. I think Yuya did.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Although they probably paid for it together, and I, I dare say they'll get some of it back. But
0: Oh, that cab, cab driver must be happy.
1: <laughs> I, I don't suppose he complained very much. I, no. I,
0: he must like have been almost, really surprised, though, when the guy's got in the cab and like, yeah, can you drive us to Indianapolis? And he's like...
1: There's an Indianapolis Indi- street? Indianapolis <laughs> Avenue? Yeah, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not bad. That's like a $40 ride or whatever. No, Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this sounds like the most it's unpleasant just, experience possible. I mean, I think probably have my car that far. Imagine got, like, being a in a
0: strange vehicle. Yeah. Hopefully they got, like, the Mercedes cab ride.
1: Or one of the Lincoln Town cars yeah. with the extra room, right?
0: Or even a van. Because if they're, like, you know, having to drive in, like, some Chevy Impala... Probably wouldn't have been pleasant.
1: Or maybe they stopped at Piggly Wiggly on the way.
0: (laughs) I don't think they swung that far south.
1: (laughs) White White Castle, is that more possible?
0: Have you seen cab drivers? They they can take monster detours.
2: That's true. They probably swung through uh, Georgia to get to Indianapolis. (laughs) The scenic route.
1: (laughs) So, apart from that, one of the things that came out was that Zombies might just be the best deck in Standard right now. Uh, the, the three dominant decks that we saw in Standard were Zombies, Blue Green Delver, which Team Canada played to tremendous success, and. They
0: were actually bumped for their fl- from their flight as well to Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, but they managed to get a better one. Or another one, rather. Yeah. And, um, Monogreen Infect was the other dominant deck.
0: That deck is
2: just, ugh. I did play enough Standard over the weekend to play against Mono Green Infect, and I lost them turn three twice.
1: Yeah, and the old argument that, oh, what's your answer to Malera, is no longer valid because they just green sun up their own Malera. Yep. The deck is pretty scary, I gotta say, and you have to be able to kill their creatures. But what worries me is if Zombies is this strong right now, when Rotation comes around in October, it loses one card being mortipod, and some of the best hate for it, in terms of Celestial Purge, is gone. So how do we beat this deck?
2: By killing Blood Artists?
1: Well, yes, that's definitely the truth. So right now, as far as I can see it, there are three different versions of zombie decks around, uh, unless I'm missing one. Is that, is that about right? It sounds about right from what I've seen.
2: There's There should be uh, red-black, blue-black... And then
0: some kind of zombie pod.
1: Have you seen any other variations, Will?
0: Isn't I'm trying to. I I want to say white black. I'm pretty sure I've seen a white black zombie stack. It's probably I mean not like more. Ma- it's probably pod. not m- more mainstream. But yeah, no. I think the ones that Travis went with the the red black, the blue black, and the uh, pod zombie is the uh, are the three prevalent ones.
1: Yeah, the um the white black one is, is is a bit of a pod one as well. Although that kind of died off once people started putting a. A blue-black pod list together. I'm not sure why. I still prefer white to blue. We had this discussion at the uh, the game store this weekend. So this zombie pod list was played to a top eight finish at the Moto PTQ on August the 12th. So weekend before last. Four blood artist uh, is standard. Four blood turn vampire. Three butcher goal. Three diagraph captain. Four drowse messenger. Four grave crawler, Four phantasmal image. Three Phyrexian metamorph. Three birthing pod. Three gut shot, One water pod. Four Cavernous Souls, four Dark Slick Shores, four Drowned Catacomb, and twelve Swamp. In the board, you've got one Birthing Pod, two Deadweight, one Dismember, three Duress, one Gut Shot, one Nile Spellbomb, one Skin Render, one Spell Skype, one Surgical Extraction, and three Vampire Nighthawk. So the Vampire Nighthawk obviously comes in in place of the Birthing Pod against decks where you don't want Birthing Pod. Normally, that's the Mirror Match or the actual Zombie Match. So... This deck obviously wins the same as any other zombie deck wins, just by Blood Artist attritioning you out, uh, trying to build up the board, and then sacrificing everything either to a Bloodthrown Vampire or a Mortopod to finish you off, especially with Diagraph Captain helping out. Uh, with the Undying on the Messenger and the uh, Butcher Ghoul, you can go and get your Key Pieces. You can sack off uh, crawler to get your Phyrexian, or your Phantasmal Images and your Blood Artist's. Basically, it's just a consistent, powerful deck. So what are the weaknesses uh, to this version, guys?
2: It can fall behind early. At least it looks like that to me. Well,
1: it depends on when it finds the blood artist, really, right? Like, this one, I think... Actually, this version seems more consistent than the others because it's got the same blue-black zombies dream draw of turn one, one drop, turn two, two, one drops, turn three, Lord, swing for nine. So, I mean, that that doesn't seem like it's going to fall behind.
0: Well, it doesn't seem that way, but that's, like, pretty much what was wrong with... has always been wrong with Zombies, right? Like, it's a deck that's 1-drop, 2-drop, 3-drop. And it doesn't mulligan well. So, like, unless your opening hand has that combination, you... It's very possible that you do fall behind. Like, I I remember playing Niapod, and I love playing against Zombies, because even on a 7-card hand, I'd never lost a match against Zombies. But, like... If it starts to mulligan, it just crumbles.
2: Its creatures just don't block very well.
0: That as well.
1: Yeah, it, it does, this deck does not play a very good defensive game unless it finds messengers and blood artists. Because then attacking becomes dangerous. Like, one of the best things about zombies is that it actually doesn't care if you bonfire. Once it has a blood artist out, a bonfire can be probably Zero damage to them because of the, all the creatures that are dying coming, and uh, gaining life. It could actually hurt you, and they may end up with two or three creatures still on the board as a result. You've just tapped out to Bonfire, and they might get back a Giraffe's Messenger and a blood uh, Butcher Ghoul, and then they untap and drop Birthing Pod, and you're in trouble. Or worse yet, Phyrexian Metamorph, copying Messenger. So, I mean, the best card against zombies has got to be Celestial Purge, right? Like, the card just just ruins the game plan. Yeah, but well
0: that hits all of one card.
1: It hits the whole
0: No, but strat- I meant like it's a single bullet, right?
1: Okay, I see what you mean. So,
0: so you build- I, I, one.
2: I, has Snapcasters, it's an eight
1: There's eight. Yeah. Of them. <laughs> so I mean just looking at particular this zombie pod list in particular, like this seems more resistant to me than the normal zombie lists because it has the ability to find the Messengers and the Blood Artists when it needs them, because those are the two key cards in the deck. I don't even think Diagraph Captain is necessary. A lot of decks are running without it, but I think in this particular deck, the ability to find your Messengers and your Blood Artists puts it a step above just straight-out blue-black zombies, which is still doing pretty well. Uh, One of the other lists that's pretty strong is uh, Red-Black Zombies. And this is the one that was played uh, by the Chinese Taipei player at the World Magic Cup. Uh, Yu Min Yang played it in Standard. His list was four Blackleaf Cliffs, three Cavernous of Souls, four Dragon Skull Summit, twelve Swamp, four Blood Artist, four Diagraph Ghoul, three Falcon Wrath Aristocrat, two Fume Spitter, four Giraffe's Messenger, four Gravecrawler, two Phyrexian Metamorph, three Brimstone Volley, two Go for the Throat, two Mortar four Sign in Blood, three Tragic Slip, and then in the board, 2 Arctrail, 2 Despise, 1 Distress, 2 Geths Verdict, 2 Nile Spellbomb, 1 Phyrexian Metamorph, 2 Pillar of Flame, 2 Smell, and a Surgical. So what does this have over Blue Black?
0: It has Brimstone Volley.
1: Yeah, Brimstone Volley is a big addition, because just in case you weren't scared enough to kill some of their creatures, there's also the added bonus of taking 5 to the face.
0: It also has an extra Sack Outlet and wrath Aristocrat.
1: Well, it, this one doesn't run Bloodthrown Vampire or Birthing Pod, which the pod decks have. So that's not necessarily a thing. Well,
0: no, like, it's it's a replacement effect, if you will.
1: There's a lot of removal in this. Like, you've got the volleys, the go-for-the-throats, and the tragic slips.
2: Yeah, this one looks like it'd be better against other zombie decks.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, and any zombie deck playing Tragic Slip can take out Falconrath Aristocrat with ease. That's worth remembering. Pro tip, or do not sacrifice... Bitter. Yes. Do not sacrifice a dude in response to a Tragic Slip to make your Falconrath Aristocrat indestructible.
0: Unless you're playing against me. Do it all the I time. I mean, it'll,
1: it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be indestructible. <laughs> and zero. then it'll die.
0: Just have zero time
1: so that's not necessarily what you want to be doing. Uh, I, the baseline here has been has bl- four Blood Artists, four Diagraph call four Gravecrawler, four Drowse Messenger. Like All of the decks are playing those. Uh, Mortar Pot is just too good to leave out, but I think it's going to be fairly easily replaced after rotation. What do you think, guys?
0: Well, in in the red-black decks, right, like you'll have the Aristocrat that's still around, but in the Birthing yeah. Pot decks, like you're two. Sac, your two more or less major sack outlets is to Pod and uh, Birthing Pod?
1: And they're both going. Yeah.
0: Like, you'll still have Bloodthrone... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bloodthrone Vampire is an M13? Yes, it is. So, like, it'll, you'll still have that, but it's, say, it's not as successful of a solution, if you will, because it doesn't have any special abilities, so, sure, you can make it a nice big dude by sacking a bunch of stuff, but if they're just like I'm gonna block it with like some like one one token, which chances are w- return to Ravnica there will be some form of uh one of the guilds will have some form of token generation, uh your life's gonna be rather miserable.
1: Well I Is think it's
0: to- gonna be in Return to Ravnica or Gate Crash?
1: Uh Return to Ravnica I think. I
0: was, I was thinking more Celestia
1: yeah you know, Celestia is definitely going to have tokens, but I think there's a built-in answer to that that some zombie decks are already playing, and that's Killing Wave. Like, if you're facing down a token swarm, Killing Wave with a Blood Artist is probably game over, right?
0: Yeah, possibly. It, it I, don't de- think, I, I don't think be- these decks lose very much, and I think what most people really like about this is that it's not a list that has Delver of Secrets anywhere.
1: This is true. Or custom Mage. What about Blood Flow Connoisseur? Do you think that might see play after rotation as an uh, as an additional sack outlet that gets a lasting bonus?
2: Let me Google that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it's a one-one vampire for a black and two sacrifice a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh,
0: it costs three. Yeah, may, costing three is a, a big downside.
1: So does Birthing Pod.
0: Yeah, but Birthing Pod gets you a creature, right? This is true. Which and a creature up the chain, which is nice when you're sacking some, you know. 1-1 one, one Gravecrawler to get some other nice creature that uh, comes back.
1: I really like Butcher Ghoul in the pod list. Let's look at the, the last list, the last Zombies list that sees play, which is the uh, Blue Black list. This is the first one that actually people started looking at once Blood Artist came out and Ever Sin Restored. Uh, this list came top 8 at a PTQ in Knoxville uh, at the end of July. Four Blood Artist, one Bloodthrown Vampire, four Diagraph Captain, four Diagraph Ghoul, two Fume Spitter, four Drowse Messenger, four Gravecrawler, four Phantasmal Image, one Scurs Deck High Priest, one Vampire Night Hawk, two Killing Wave, two Mortarpod, four Sign in Blood, three Tragic Slip, three Cavern of Souls, four Dark Slick Shores, four Drown Catacomb, nine Swamp, and then the board had one Cower in Fear? Okay, probably against Elves. One dismember, one killing wave, two negate, two nile spell bomb, two ratchet bomb, one sever the bloodline, two vampire night hawk, and three vile rebirth. Vile rebirth could be interesting tech in the mirror match too, eh? Uh, In response to your blood, to your undying trigger. Yep. It makes a zombie too. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I actually really like this list uh, for for the mirror match. Um, Well, it seems heavily tuned for it. See,
0: for the mirror, mirror match, it works. Because it's really the... You're going all in on your zombies, right? Like, this is really the one where you want your 1-drop, your 2-drop, your 3-drop, and you have a whole lot of creatures that guarantee success in that.
1: And plus it like also has things like...
0: The deck is well, slightly well, if you will, because there are so many creatures that you're just kind of... There's a pretty good chance that you draw them. The problem with this deck though, is against non-zombies is it doesn't have a plan B. Like for the other ones, you know, you have your plan B of say birthing pod, or uh, with the red version you have aristocrat as sort of a plan B, but you also have removal. Right? Like this yeah. one is basically like throw stuff at the wall.
1: Yeah, and I think with Cower and Fear is a really interesting card in the mirror match. So it takes out blood artists and grave crawlers. And kills them while weakening everything else on the board, so that you get rid of the Blood Artist before any of the blocking takes place.
0: That's true, but it also gets rid of, uh, say, stuff like an Unflipped Delver. But it also gets rid of Snapcasters. Uh, yeah. When you're if you're playing, like, say, against like Naya colors, right, you get rid of Blade Splicers, you get rid of your Manadork, you get rid of the mana Dorks as well.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Although if they have their uh well, against elves, it's less useful because all they need is one Arch druid to to help. Yeah. Uh, Sever the bloodline is another card that I think people should be looking at to play against zombies, because you cast it on a blood artist, and uh, you know their deck becomes a whole lot less scary.
0: Right, but it's all copies, right? It's not just the ones your opponent controls. Correct. So you have to be careful that you don't have blood artists in play as well.
1: Sure. In this deck, but I mean, I'm talking about in general. Like, If we we transition over now into just ways to beat zombies in general, I think Sever the Bloodline is a card that people should be looking at.
2: Definitely. The Exile is huge.
1: And plus, if they're on the Copy My Blood Artist plan, it gets rid of all the copies as well. Just remember that if they have a Phantasmal Image copying Blood Artist, don't target that one because it won't get rid of the rest. Uh, Celestial Purge, obviously, we spoke about briefly earlier. Now, there was a play in the World Magic Cup in the finals where the Delver player was holding an O-ring and a Celestial Purge. And in play, there were two Grave Crawlers, a Blood Artist, and a Mortarpod with no germ on it. And the play he made, well, the guy dropped a Drowse Messenger and passed the turn. So, what do you do there? What are the life totals? Uh, I don't remember, but I think both players were almost dead.
0: I think the safe play is you're obviously going to want to Celestial Purge the uh, Dross Messenger. But at the same time, like, what was... Do you know approximately how much mana he had in play?
1: He had, like, five? Okay,
0: because, you know, like, Zombies doesn't have a way to get rid of Oblivion Ring, right? Correct. So... If you, like, an Oblivion Ring and a Celestial Purge, well, they're not exactly the same thing, against zombies they have a very similar effect. Yeah. So I think you can safely, uh, play your, you'd, safe, you'd be able to safely play your O-Ring on, uh, his Jarl's Messenger. And then that way you'd be able to keep the instant speed exile up for, uh, to make, like, say, some blocking situation more profitable for you. Cause essentially, like, if they, he goes something like Killing Wave right? You can just, in response, get rid of their Blood Artist, and then they're in, say, a whole lot of trouble because their plan basically revolved around being able to get Blood Artist.
1: So what the guy actually did was he o-ringed the Mortar Pod.
0: Good idea, because you're going to lose a long game
2: if they has two uh, Grave
1: Crawlers. Two, two Grave Crawlers, exactly. Um, and he purged the Messenger because you can't, but you can't leave Blood Artist. And mortar pod on the table. You just can't do that. Because like, you can only get rid of one of the grave crawlers, so if he sacks one, then all he needs is another zombie, and you are in a world of hurt. Now, before he played the messenger, the play was obvious. You purge one artist, and then you o ring the mortar pod and leave him with two grave crawlers. Wait,
0: he had two artists
1: in play? No, one artist. Okay. And then he played a messenger. So before he played the messenger, it's just purge the artist, o ring the mortar pod, now you have two grave crawlers and I can block those with my Spirits, so there was no danger there. But as it turned out, he lost that game and lost Puerto Rico the, uh, the title anyway. So Yeah, It was just an interesting scenario where Celestial Purge just didn't do enough. One thing that might see some play after rotation and I think could be good now is Angel of Glory's Rise. Now, I know it's 7 mana, but if it does hit the board... Zombies just rolls over and dies, right? Like, can how do they come back from that?
0: Well, you hope they roll over and die.
1: I mean, it doesn't get rid of their blood artists?
0: Well, no, but at the same time, it, like, at 7 mana, right, like, if you're playing against a zombie player who just decided to, like, continuously dump their hand, then, yeah, it, they basically roll over. But if they're slightly smart, you know, if you have, like, two messengers in play, or they, you know, you can keep one
1: back. So could this be, like, if you're playing Freaks or something like that, could this be a sideboard strategy where you side into Angel of Glory's Rise instead of Eleshnorn?
0: Well, it's already played in Freed's, no?
1: Angel of Glory's Rise?
0: I've seen it played a uh, human uh, version as, of- a as a as a one-of in the board, because it brings back all your mana
1: dorks, right? Well, no, it brings back uh, Ever since Pilgrim, that's it. Oh,
0: no, but I was thinking more... Uh, uh, like, similar to the block version. I've seen... A ver- like, there's versions that play... Uh, Borderlands Ranger that play the um, scared villager, is it the
1: Scorn villager. villager? Yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's true. I've seen that too. Uh, I don't know about. I, I haven't seen it, but I think it's it's a possibility. Now I don't know about um, playing this in a uh, in a tournament, but I know Travis. You had a human birthing pod deck at one point. Did you have Angel of Glories Rise in there?
2: I did not. I did have Angels of Glory Rise in a Frights deck, but I just I never migrated it over. My Birthing Pods rarely go above six.
1: But, I mean, just to add the singleton, would it make sense, especially if you're sacrificing a whole bunch of humans, getting a whole bunch of spirit tokens?
2: Well, it makes make sense now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> when, when I was trying the human Birthing Pod deck, I I tried the top out of, at, I think, at five. Uh, I didn't want to go above conscripts.
1: You didn't have Guy Monk in there? That's five. That's still
2: five mana.
1: Oh, that's true, yes. Well, there wasn't really much at six at the time, was there?
2: Trying to wreck my brain. I don't think so.
1: The only thing... I mean, were still now, Sun
2: Titan. You would, you would run to get back Blade Splicers.
1: The, um, the only thing at six now is Captain of the Watch and Sun Titan. So I don't know... One of those is definitely worth running in Sun Titan. I don't know about Captain of the Watch, but being able to get three dudes and then go off and either get Elish Norn and swamp them or get uh, uh, Angel Glories Glory's Rise and just destroy their board if they're zombies and get all your dudes back.
2: See, now you're want me to. you making me want to build an Esper version of the deck that uses, like, the Mind Sculpt and Thought, Thought Scour to get the cards in the graveyard and then reanimate the Angel. And there's Stop some it. good blue-white humans.
1: Stop it. Why would you do that when you could just do Mulch and Tracker's Instinct?
0: Because... Because you're playing or Esper.
1: But why would you play Esper instead of Naya or... Creativity. Okay. <laughs>
2: snap Snapcaster Mage.
1: Guys
2: uh, the snake, uh, or is that
1: a, not a spirit? That's a spirit. But I don't know. So, what would you play if you needed to beat a metagame full of zombies, Travis?
2: I would probably play a Blue-White Delver with four Celestial Purge and four Snapcaster Mages.
1: Obviously, you're not going to main deck the Purges, though, right? i
2: main deck one. If you do expect the meta to be full of zombies, I mean, there's enough splash damage in red to to really. I mean, there's still red green aggro. There's rug pod. Um, you could you could get by with one in the main.
1: I think you also want uh, gut shot in there for the artists.
2: Definitely, but isn't gut shot kind of uniformly in Delver at this point?
1: It is. I guess it is. Yeah, but uh, sometimes you have to say these things. You know. Uh, what about you, Will?
0: Naiapod. I have a. XO record lifetime against zombies playing NIOPOD.
1: When was the last time you played against zombies with it?
0: Mm, before M13 came out.
1: Yes, things the deck is different now. I don't think M13 added much to it, but the way people play it has changed. That the cards in it have changed. Sign and blood is in there now as well. It's it's a better deck than it was. I still gotta, gotta go on of the fact
2: that. <laughs> Blisterstick shaman would be your MVP <laughs> <laughs> Take out the well, artist.
0: but but here's the thing right like the at the 5 drop now before M13 I also did also didn't have Thrag Tusk right
1: this is true but I've seen Wolf front players with the glimmerpost package and the Thrag Tusk package lose to zombies they couldn't gain enough life never had that
0: problem like,
1: so, like, like is, I said...
0: ours can be a pain, but...
1: Yeah.
2: not playing it zombies, it's just get it on its back foot, so that the fact that it has the grave crawlers that can't block, and the fact that Messenger comes into play tapped, makes make it penalize mm-hmm. it for those things. That's it. When I've played it, that's how I'll beat it.
1: White weenie, there you go.
0: Well, no, but, like, because you, as Travis was saying, right, like, you can just send your Strangleroo Geist in all day. You can send your, uh... You know, like when Blade Splicer comes down, right? Like you can send your 1 1 token in all day and then keep your 3 first First Striker back. But well, the it's, only it's problem really, is. It's really about putting it on its back foot.
1: Once they get their Blood Artists, they don't care if they just chump lock all day.
2: Oh, well, that's when you go to the air with Restoration Angel.
1: That's true, too. I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that Niopod can do enough to beat it. And your Bonfires are pretty much dead cards in the matchup. I don't play Bonfire.
0: Why don't you just bonfire for one to get rid of the blood artists? Actually, that's not He's true. I've played one bonfire.
1: Bonfiring for one does get rid of the blood artists. It also hits the grave crawlers. And, and like for some reason, whenever I miracle a bonfire, they always have two or three blood artists in play. So even doing it for one hurts. All right. Well, I
0: guess I'm it's it's just like Well, That's just because you're a bad player, Chris.
2: I've
1: never had get <laughs> better
0: <bonfires> against me. <laughs>
1: Oh man, I in the zombie pod deck, it's really easy to do, especially if you have a grave crawler out with a pod, you just keep putting it away. Oh, another blood artist. Oh, another blood artist. By the way, you're dead now.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, that's going to take at least 3 or 4 turns. What are you doing in the meantime? Are you just sitting there watching them do this? I mean, cuz if won't. they have the grave crawler and they're spinning their mana to go get another blood artist, and they do those creatures is going to block. So this if you're if you're just slamming stuff down their throat, okay, you've got a blood artist, big deal, unless you're blocking with it, you're dying.
1: Yeah, that's also maybe true. I've just
2: played some really bad zombie players.
1: But why is why is nobody playing Niapod right now if it beats zombies so easily?
2: Because it loses to other things. It loses it to uh, the Elf Wave deck. I've had a lot of trouble with uh, Infect with it.
1: Uh, Infect I can see, Elf Wave I can't.
2: If you don't stop them from getting all that mana on turn three or four, you lose because you're well, just dirtling and making good creatures where they're winning.
1: Yeah, but you just throw in, like, a Slagstorm or a uh, Bonfire, or, or a whip flare in the board, rather. And, uh, it takes care of that. Or even Arc Trail.
0: One of the, like, one of the problems is that, like, there's different ways of building an right? And the version that I prefer running, which, you know, had no problem against zombies, there's a lot of 50-50 matchups. And grinding 50-50 matchups can be quite a drag. Like
1: The deck's just boring as well to me.
0: I'm not sure that's a reason why it's not played.
1: No, I'm just saying it's boring. Well, okay. The more
2: often that I've been playing it lately, I get to where I don't want the pod. I just want to play four Restoration Angels, four Thragtusk, and four Zealous Conscripts. I yeah, just that's have in it to get there, and that's all I want to do.
0: Yeah, that's the other problem with it. With, like, between Avacyn Restored and M13, you're just like, why don't want to play, like, I mean, I have no problem playing, like, you know, the Mana Dorks or whatnot, but, like, I just want to get Restoration Angels and drag Tests and Conscripts and, you know, who cares about Pod?
1: It's just, it, the deck just doesn't do anything interesting in my mind. It just, it does the same thing every time out, and I just hate playing against it. I'd rather play against Delva.
2: Oh, that's, uh-huh. that's blasphemy.
1: No, I'm telling you, man, I, I prefer playing against Delva because... At least with that match-up, there are some strategic decisions to be made. With Nyapod, it's just, boy, I hope they don't have the Restoration Angel, or I hope they don't top-deck that bonfire. Uh, it's just uh, it's just frustrating. Anyway, I think for me, I would play some sort of white weenie deck. Uh, Mirren Crusader, Knight of Glory, Sword of War and Peace, or not War and Peace, sort of Body and Mind, rather. Not Body and Mind. <sighs> Try again, Chris. Sword of Feast and Famine all seem pretty good against Zombies. Uh, and like you said, Travis, putting them on the back foot and the ability to get in a lot of damage that they can't do anything about seems like it could be the correct way to, to combat the deck. Uh, if you can race them, maybe throw in something with lifelink. Uh, there aren't that many good creatures with lifelink right now. Uh, a Johnny Sunstriker is about the only one I can think of, really. And he's not even what you'd call good. What's
2: the one four you used at the pre-release that doubles your life link or
1: double? Your oh, life it's, it's one five. Uh, I think it's Rock's Faith Mender.
2: I mean, that seems like it would block a zombie all day long.
1: It blocks Darrell's Messenger all day long and doesn't afraid of anything.
2: And then if you curve out with Thrag Tusk on the next turn, doesn't that gain you ten life?
1: Stuff it! Stuff it right now! Stuff it! You're making no, Chris. No, you can't do this. There is no way you can build a deck with four Cathedral Sanctifier, four Leon and Radic Water, uh, four Ajani Sunstriker, four Phyrexian Metamorph. I
0: don't remember him mentioning that. You just play Mana Dwarfs <laughs> no. to get out a Faith Mender as quickly as possible, and then you just gain a bunch of life off of Thrag Tusk.
1: Drag Tusks. And uh, you you probably play Sunstriker as well, I think, just because it's a 2-2 for 2 that has Lifelink. Throw some swords in there. Couple
2: Worm Coils.
1: Restoration Angels.
2: Yes, yeah, sort of War and Peace yeah, would be really good with the Faith Mender.
1: War and Peace and Feast and Famine. And, uh, why not top it out? Uh, do you want Sun Titan? Doesn't really get you back your key pieces, so no. Oh,
0: no, you just get, like, you know, some warm coils in there, and then, uh, you know, Trading Pose. An Angel, uh, maybe?
1: Angel of Glory's Rise?
0: Mm, not the one I was thinking of.
1: Which one? Restoration?
0: Mmm. Sure, you can play that as well, but I was thinking more of one that was uh, white and red.
1: <laughs> no, we're not playing Gisela in this deck. <laughs> Why well, no, just as a one of. No, we could play Sigarda, though. Oh, no, Angel of Jubilation seems really good. That works, too. I'm trying to remember Should which boost? one that one is. That's triple white and one for a three... Is it three-three? Yes. Yeah. I believe. And all uh, non-black creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And players cannot sacrifice creatures or pay life to cast spells or activate abilities.
2: Yeah, that seems like it would be pretty good.
1: Yes. Definitely. Do we play that main board? It is triple white. Yeah, but you're, what are we playing green for? Tusk and Avacyn's Pilgrim, that's it, right?
0: Fair enough. I'm not even sure. And there are right. a lot of really good green-white lands right now.
1: And I'm pretty sure we're playing Gaviny Township. Did we, um, did we just make a deck?
2: Hey, that's how it happens sometimes.
1: I think we just made a deck. All right, excellent. Speaking of making decks, Gavin's challenge for this week is one that is right up our alley. This, this tickled my fancy as soon as I read it. We have to make a standard deck that revolves around an underused Scars Block card. And if there's one thing I enjoy, it's unused Scars block cards, or unused cards in general, really. Uh, we considered a few different options for this. Uh, some of the cards floated around were uh, Knowledge Pool, Omen Machine, Chancellor of the Annex, Geth Lord of the Vault. So the card we're going to build around, well, we decided to take a few, actually, because the deck we're looking at is Mono Green Trading Post. Uh, Azuri's Brigade was a card that uh, I always really liked the look of. It's 4-4 uh, for GG2. Uh, when you have Metalcraft, it gets plus 4, plus 4, and gains Trample. Uh, in this deck, chances are it's going to have Metalcraft the turn that comes down. So you're paying 4 mana for an 8-8 Trampler. Doesn't seem like the worst card I've ever heard of. With things like the Wellspring, Solemns, uh, Borderland Ranger, playing Birthing Pod also seems like a possibility. Uh, unwinding clock was something that we talked about. What were some of the other suggestions you guys had? Well, you had a couple of ideas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we could use uh,
0: torpor orb in spellskites.
1: Yeah, torpor orb. I don't think. Well, if we play torpor orb, we probably don't want Borderland Ranger.
0: I don't think we want torpor orb. Do we?
1: Well, if we play, we could play torpor orb. We just cut Borderland Ranger and birthing Put.
0: Well, no, but like if you're going unwinding clock, you want stuff that untaps profitably, such yeah, as okay. a lux
1: cannon. Lux Cannon is really good, and it also makes me want to play something like Contagion Clasp, which on turn two takes out their turn one mana dock, and if you're untapping your artifacts every turn, proliferating twice in a turn cycle seems like it could be pretty good too. Would we Mildly run to full okay.
2: place it a Phyrexian Metamorph in this?
1: I think that's generally accepted as a good idea in pretty much every deck right now, because no matter what it copies, it's going to untap with Unwinding Clock. What about um, pristine talisman? That's pretty much a given as well, right? Yes. So, do we want the the two drop, the carapace forger? That's a two-two for two that becomes a four-four with metalcraft. Is that worth running?
0: Not really, because your first uh, a few turns, right? You want to set up some form of like mana acceleration. Like you're really going to be waiting for later for you know thrag tusk and uh, zuri's brigade. It's going to be more your defensive for later on. Like that more just kind of throws a wrench in your plans.
1: Okay, what about the Wellsprings? Presumably we're playing those?
0: Yeah, let's see, I'd rather be playing, uh, using the two mana for that as opposed to, uh, just a Grizzly Bear that can grow slightly.
1: Okay. Uh, Worm Coil?
0: I have no objections to Worm coil.
1: I think you at least want to run one just for the interaction with, um Trading Post if nothing else. So Azuri's Brigade, Worm Thragtusk, Tusk, those are our beats right there. If we're running Contagion Class, which I think is a very good idea, do we also want to run a Planeswalker? One of the Garricks, maybe?
0: Did they reprint Wildspeaker? They did not. Mm. Not particularly, because uh, on the one side, like the triple green well, yes, it's a mono green artifact deck, it doesn't really, like, say, provide you with what you need, and actually neither Garrick really gives you much advantage. Like, yeah, it makes dudes, but it doesn't do more than that.
1: Well, relentless flips and allows you to set to tutor up any creature and get around Torporoid, right? And that enables us to play a toolbox in the board or something like malira against Infect. I don't like. Or we could just play.
0: I don't like toolboxes. We We're could it. just
1: play Green and Zenith, of course.
0: We can just. I think we should just make this simple. Mono Green artifacts. No. No toolboxes. We already have a pretty like. Relying on something like unwinding clock right isn't exactly uh very on the straight and narrow. It's already uh, kind of gimmicky to begin with.
1: Sure, but I, I really want to be able to draw some cards. What about Staff of Nin, then?
0: See, that's an artifact that untaps the Unwinding Clock for profit.
1: And draws you cards?
0: Yes. How, what are we
2: going to use for acceleration? Because we're going to have a lot of things that cost four or more.
1: Well, Lanoar Elf seems doable. What about Palladium Man?
0: That's a creature, though. It's a dude! <laughs>
1: It is a dude, but it does untap with Unwinding Clock. I mean, well, Pristine Talisman, we know we're running.
0: Well, it does, but like you have Vessel of Endless Rest and Pristine Talisman that do the same thing, and are well, there's one less form of removal that can get rid of them.
1: I love Vessel of Endless Rest, because so often that put the card on the bottom of your library thing, which, are, by the way, can target your opponent's graveyard, that could be very useful. So I think, yeah, Vessel's not a bad thought. I don't think we want the full four of those, maybe two. It also enables us to cast Metamorph with the blue in a pinch if we need it. Any other thoughts?
0: No, I think the deck is be like a A small black splash for Glissa. Stop giving him bad ideas.
1: How is that a bad idea? Because we're already,
0: we're, okay, we need to focus here. We're going for a mono green trading post with unwinding claw gimmick, right? That's our gimmick, we need to stick to it. If we start putting in other gimmicks, then we're moving away from our central gimmick, and then the deck gets too gimmicky.
1: But is not a gimmick. Glissa is an all-around good creature that only costs a single black, which we can splash with woodland cemeteries and the vessels. And she has amazing synergy with the deck.
0: I'm silent. Welcome to the dark side. We have cookies.
1: I don't know, I think at least one or two of them would be okay.
0: Or maybe
2: even just in the board.
0: This is getting out of hand.
1: Remember when Dungrove Green first came out? They ran Glissa in the board?
0: And that deck was fantastic. It stayed around it forever was... and ever and ever and won every <laughs> single event that ever played. Oh, wait, that's right. I'm thinking about not that deck.
1: <laughs> you troll. It's still winning deck uh, competitions. Do we want Dungrove?
0: Okay, having a four having four decks at home that you solitaire against is not winning a quote-unquote competition.
1: Do we want Dungrove in here, or is that not really worth it? Uh, it's
0: not
3: worth it. Again, not
1: worth
0: it. stick to one gimmick.
1: Ooh, ooh, Chronomaton!
2: I thought about that, but it doesn't have any kind of evasion. That's true. But then again, we are playing green. Hey, come on down, Rancor.
1: All right.
0: Again, stick to one gimmick. One-drops are mana dorks. You know, I love Birds of Paradise, a la Pilgrim, a la Elves.
1: The only one of those I would consider is Lanoir Elves. Avacyn's Pilgrim doesn't really help us. Birds of Paradise... It's In my experience, people are more likely to kill a Turn 1 Birds than a Turn 1 lanowar because they're more afraid of the multicolored thing. Uh, I could be wrong there. But I think Lano RLs is the better bet in this deck.
0: Okay, I'm pretty sure if you have an opponent who's willing to kill a turn 1 birds, they're willing to kill a turn 1 Chronomaton.
1: Okay, this is true. So, I mean, at least it fits the theme.
0: Let's just run Stuffy Doll.
1: (laughs) With Tragic Slip being so, so popular right now,
2: probably It's only popular in Zombies. it out against Zombies. There you go. And
1: how much of the meta does Zombies make up? A lot. Based based
0: on your expert opinion, uh, all percent.
1: No, not all percent, but a lot percent. I love Stuffy Doll. I just don't think this is the deck for it.
2: So what are we untapping? We're untapping Pristine Talismans. We're untapping uh, at least one Lux Cannon.
1: Yeah. Vessel of Endless Rest. Uh, Staff of Nin. Stuffy Uh, Dolls. Contagion Clasp. Shut Up Will.
2: Why would we run Vessel uh Endless Rest when we could just run um, Sphere of the Suns if we're gonna run proliferate? It'd be more important to have that two drop so you could drop the turn three and
0: winding clock, wouldn't it? Yeah. we'll be untapping Titan forges.
1: No, we will not be untapping Titan forges. <laughs> Go away.
0: Fine, be that way.
1: <laughs> it's just bad. Even I wouldn't play that. Tumble magnet? Maybe in the board against uh Titan decks?
2: The only problem I really could see, I, well, I could see lots of problems, but <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do about swarm decks? Because green, That's the reason most of the trading post decks are black or white or even blue. They have, or red. They have some way to get rid of all those little creatures. How are we going to do that in green?
1: Wall of Tangle Cord. I'm going to
0: assume that that's some form of a wall that's made of some form of material known as tangle cord.
1: <laughs> wow, nothing gets past you, does it?
0: I have
2: my
1: uh, Funnily enough, nothing gets past wall of tangle cord either. It's a zero 0.6 for 2 that you can give reach for a green.
2: Mm, ratchet bomb.
1: Yep. Especially yep, ratchet bomb. It. Yeah, I can see ratchet bomb, yep. Yeah. Although that does make us kind of heavy at the two-drop slot. I think we might need to cut at just two and two with the spell bombs.
0: So are we going, like, full gimmick, like Decimator Web?
1: No. I still want to play decent cards. I don't want to play bad cards. I mean, Right, decent Azuri's- cards like
2: a winding clock wheel. Get it together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we have to make sacrifices for the challenge, right? I mean, Azuri's Brigade, there's nothing wrong with that card except for the fact that green doesn't necessarily play well with artifacts. By the way, we're running Beast Within, right?
2: I mean, you're playing green, you're playing Beast Within.
1: Just wanted to make sure of that. I actually might build this deck. This sounds hilarious. I don't know if it's good, but it sounds hilarious.
0: I'm searching the Gatherer as we speak. I'm sure there must be some crazy thing we can put in there.
1: I still like Fangra Marota.
0: I'm sure you do.
1: Just as a one-off. I'm sure
0: you do. I'm sure you do. (laughs) Shut up, Will.
2: This is better than omen machines, how?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because Omen Machine does nothing without, you know, actually having an omen machine.
0: If you're playing multicolor, you can put in a door of nothingness and tap it multiple times. You know, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, lose your dare you die, you die. Ooh. Wow, how did we miss this?
1: Grind clock?
0: No, I mentioned that before.
1: We're not playing grand. Class.
0: No, in M in M twelve. There's this Dr- card, Dr-
1: druidic satchel. Uh,
0: yes, that that would be the one.
1: No, well, why not? Just no. You gain
0: two life off of it most of the time because we're playing a bunch of artifacts. We can also play guild of lotus that on taps. You know,
2: if if we are going full retard here, we could go crown scepter and <laughs> throne of empires. <laughs> you
0: never go full retard. <laughs>
1: Actually, I don't mind Crown, Scepter, and Throne, one of each. I think, I think that could be... See, look, be... I'm making
2: a joke and Chris turns
0: it around into seriousness.
1: Well, it's better than flipping Druidic Satchel, which in this deck is just going to be gaining us two life most of the time.
0: Oh, I could put a land in occasionally. <sighs> I'm sorry, there's just like, you know, like... It's... See, this was the problem with with uh,
2: the second run of Mirrodin. They gave us some really <laughs> crappy artifacts. They over them all because they were so afraid of
0: uh, Affinity again.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, there's this card, Otherworld Atlas. It helps for drawing cards.
1: Go away. What about Mox Opal? Are I we that? thought
0: that was an auto-inclusion. I don't think we have to mention that.
1: Solemn Simulacrum? That doesn't untap,
0: unless you attack with it. But it doesn't profitably gain us anything.
1: Although, sure, I, I suppose so you have to play in it.
0: Sundial of the Infinite.
1: I may have to dropkick you. <laughs>
0: Well, think about it. Like, if you use it on your turn, right, then on your opponent's turn, it untaps. Well,
1: well, well, no. Just no. All right, I think we've got enough to be getting on with. We did mention uh, Trading Post, right? Yes, okay. yes, we mentioned Trading Post, you blithering in Buried Ruin, right? Uh, I'm Buried Ruin, at least one or two of them. Uh, Phyrexia's Core as well, because you won't always have Trading Post.
0: And a World Slayer, in case things get really bad.
1: Oh, God, kill him. And a singleton Spine of Isha, do we want that in there? I mean, the deck is just, the cut is just so flexible.
0: What if we make Spine of Isha an undestructible creature and equip it to World Slayer? Or we make Spine of Isha a undying creature and equip They're to to it to World Slayer? Just make a creature, dare him to kill it.
1: Do you know this guy?
0: <laughs> no, no, Chris, Chris, we're onto something, right?
1: You're on something. i don't know about onto something. You
0: you make you lightning a lightning in a bottle, gentlemen. <laughs> you buy oh, a, how? a creature, equip a World Slayer, give it Undying. Then when you destroy everything, then Spider Vishaya comes back and destroys World Slayer, so that you can no longer have any shenanigans.
2: You forgot to put Rancor on it. Everything's
0: better with Rancor. That is true.
1: Oh my God. I'm surrounded by morons.
0: Oh, it's returned it to its owner's hand? Uh,
1: Yes. Anyway. Uh, no. What about acidic slime? We never mentioned that.
0: Too expensive. To blow up some of our artifacts? Like, that seems bad. We can just run Phyrexia's core if we want to sack something.
1: Um, no. To blow up their land? Seems fine.
0: Why would we want to blow up Phyrexia's
1: core? Their land with acidic slime. With
0: their plane of core.
1: So I think we've got enough cards to be getting on with. Uh, we will write this up and send it in, and hopefully we'll see it in Gavin's article in a couple of weeks. That just about does it for magic content this week, which brings us to a random moment of geekery. Will, go!
0: Mm, random moment of geekery. Oh, yes. I just, it took me a while. Uh, there's this uh, person... That we were at a shut up. This weekend I was uh, out in the country and there was a uh, fair going on, so arts and crafts fair. And there's this lady there that makes uh, coasters out of uh, Scrabble pieces, which she just takes 25 random Scrabble pieces, puts them together, and like puts a backing to it, right, and like makes a coaster. Which I mean is not uh, an original idea by any stretch. Tons of people do this. Uh, However. I happen, and my mom loves Scrabble, so I happen to pick her up four of them. But what's really cool is that, uh, since it's all random, right, like she's not purposely trying to spell out words, and there's a lot of people that were looking through it, and they're going like, oh, looking for words, looking for words, looking for words. I just randomly took whatever, whichever four there were, because, you know, what the heck, bought them, uh, you know, brought them home, gave them to my mom. She was very happy. But what's cool is that uh, when Time Smar- the Time of Smile Smar- Dragons came out, uh, the off color ones. My favorite one, just because I absolutely love the name, was Intet the Dreamer. As it so happens, the, one of the coasters that uh, I got my mom, the five letters across is I N T E T, which spells Intet, which I thought was awesomely cool.
1: Okay. That was an incredibly long setup for something that I'm not entirely sure mattered.
3: What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, like every, every now and then, like, they just come up with names that I'm like, oh, that's a cool name, right? Like, Pernicious Deed is, I mean, everyone's heard the story behind the card, but, like, it's just a cool name. And, like, I remember when they came out with Inted, I was like, I don't care what the card does. I just like the name, Inted.
1: Wait, the tr- what's the story behind Pernicious Deed?
0: Oh, because uh, it was called something else. But uh there was, I believe... What was it? I believe there's a copyright in it. And, but they had already sent the, uh, the pages to be printed, right? So they had to come up with, uh, something, they had to come up with a name that went between whatever two cards follow Pernicious Deed. So
1: basically, oh, okay. they like
0: went through the dictionary and they found the word Pernicious and they're like, this works so they called it Pernicious Deed. Although, uh, if you want to read the full story, though, I'll make sure to find the link from the Mark Rosewater, art- art- Mark Rosewater article. I apologize. As Chris said, I can't really speak English, and uh, it'll be in the show notes, so our listeners can go and read that if they haven't already.
1: Sounds fabulous. Uh, my favorite card name is probably Zap, but that's because I'm biased. Uh, Travis, moment of geekery, sir.
2: Okay, my random moment of geekery goes back to squirrels. Um, there's a picture of a squirrel doing a pretty epic pose that some people have photoshopped into uh, different superheroes. Uh, my favorite is, of course, the Batman squirrel. So that should be linked in the uh, show notes. Have you seen see this one yet?
1: Dressed as Batman.
2: Have you seen the squirrel dressed as Iron Man?
1: Oh, dear. Yes. This is terrible.
2: If by terrible you mean solid gold. <laughs>
1: What is it with you and squirrels? Like, do we need to take you to see somebody, like a doctor or something?
2: Probably not. I actually hate the creatures in real life. I love them in magic, but I hate them in real life.
1: Oh, nothing.
2: <laughs> I had one almost throw me off the road once. I was, that pretty much cemented my hatred for the little furry vermin.
1: Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> All right, my moment of geekery. Well, it's that time of year. We're almost at the time when... TV shows start coming back. Hooray. And one of those, of course, is Doctor Who.
2: Do not spoil anything. Sorry, who?
1: Yes, that's right. I don't get it. Uh, I
2: just finished watching episode 10 of season 3. I'm trying to catch up. I've never seen it.
1: Okay, spoilers. Doctor Who's still alive.
2: Really? I heard tenant left.
1: So what I'm looking at right now just, is the trailer that for the first episode in the next season of Doctor Who, uh, which comes out on September 1st in the UK, and without wanting to spoil anything for Travis, holy cow, in fact, this doesn't spoil anything for Travis. He is in a room surrounded by hundreds of Daleks, and they ask him the question, will you help save our whole race? Uh, anyone who knows anything about the Doctor knows he's not a terrible fan, terribly big fan of the garbage can-looking mofos that are Daleks. So this could be very, very interesting. Plus it's Doctor Who, so I mean, it's going to be awesome anyway.
2: Yes, Doctor Who was like that one dark hole of my geekery I've been slowly trying to fill in.
1: No comment. <laughs> so the link to that trailer will be in the show notes, uh, so that you can all see this awesomeness for yourselves.
0: Uh, actually, to follow in... Because Chris started off great. He's like, you know, it's the time of year that shows return. And he got me all excited. And then he mentioned Doctor Who, which, you know, well, a fine show is not Dexter. And they released the trailer for the upcoming season of Dexter. And I don't want to spoil anything because some people don't like watching the trailers or whatnot. It looks fantastic, though. I was kind of scared at the end of last season as to where exactly they were taking the story, what they were going to do with it. But I kind of have full confidence that they may actually make a good season this time uh, around because it's been kind of wonky uh, the past couple uh, seasons. That uh, so, if you if you want to see some slight spoilers, go and see the Dexter trailer that they released for this upcoming season because it looks fantastic.
2: Okay, and if we're That's doing so. a television show theme, my show yeah. doesn't start back to January, so I've got five more months of, to wait.
0: What starts in January? Justified. January?
1: Oh no! Game of Thrones is not till April, yeah. is it? Justified. Ugh. You guys have seen Justified.
0: Yeah, and Game of Thrones is going to be like eight. No, it's going to be like eight uh, seasons for uh, book three.
1: I haven't seen Justified. What What is it? It's a western. Oh no wonder I haven't seen Isn't
0: it. It's a western. Well, it's cowboys. There's it's got a guy who
2: thinks he's a cowboy, but it's set in Kentucky. Actually, it's set no, down no, near down it. near my hometown. Oh, I'll so you're biased. Somewhat, but I mean, it's it's still um, Elmore Leonard. The dude can write dialogue like no one else. If you haven't seen it, Chris, give it a shot. It is fantastic. I'm not a
1: fan. Not a fan of uh, cowboy movies. I mean, I I love vampire stuff, but I can't watch True Blood because of the accents.
2: You're hurting me on the inside.
1: No, I can't do it. Like, I I don't have a problem with most accents, but for some reason, the Louisiana accent. It's concentrated into a show where pretty much everybody has the same accent for an hour at a time, just drives me insane. I can't do it. I cannot do it.
2: Well, this has hillbilly accents. You listen to
1: mine fairly well. But it's so silky smooth, Travis.
2: That is what she said.
1: <laughs> Let us move to shout-outs before this degenerates further. Will, shout-out, sir.
0: Uh, I'll give a pre-trip shout-out, and then... Next week, I'll give an after-trip shout-out. Uh, for those of you who might have missed it, I'm heading up to uh, GP Boston this weekend with uh, KYT, Calvin Chan, and uh, Kirk. I cannot pronounce whatever the heck his last name is, so a shout-out to those guys. It should be a pretty fun trip down to Boston.
1: Excellent. We've got a few players locally heading to Boston, actually, so I will tell them to keep away from you. I mean, look out for you.
0: Oh, I was actually okay with the keep away from me.
1: Well they'll probably face you in the first round. Actually no they won't because they all have buys. So do I. 3 buys. Mm, I think I only have 2. Yeah, well you're bad.
0: Okay, so we'll face each other like when we're like 3-5 in round no. 9.
1: No, they won't be 3-5. Travis shout out sir. Uh shout out
2: to Kirk Dubay because I forgot to shout out for him last time and shout out to my friend <laughs> Joe who has been teasing me about uh, getting to go to Gen Con while I sat at home babysitting.
1: <laughs> yeah, Gen Con's happening for me next year.
2: I, I hope it does for me. It's at it's at the busiest time of year uh, for me at work, so I always plan on going and never get there. It's only like an hour and a half from where I live, though, so. huh? Yes, you may be able to room if you're interested.
1: I might take you up on that. So for me, shout outs to Gavin Duggan, who I don't think listens to the podcast, but hey, who cares? Someone will pass it along. Uh, shout outs to the local community. We finally got ourselves a PTQ. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting occasion, that's for sure. November 17th, that happens. I want to give a shout out to Rich McCann for joining us last week. I thought he did a really good job. It was, uh, Good to have a listener on. He's been trying to get on the show for ages, and I know he's got his own podcast coming out soon, so it'd be good to hear that. Shout-out to Carlos and to Becca, uh, just randomly. I'm pretty sure they still listen. Shout-out to Chewy. I know he still listens, and to Tangent. And I think that's about all I got. I'm a bit light on the old shout-outs this week. Cool. Uh, So anybody got anything final?
0: Uh, No, I do not believe we do. I do. Okay.
1: All right, so let's wrap this baby up. From Jack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you now you think your name is
2: Jack? We really need to leave that in,
1: because you edited you added him to the call. That's what <laughs> did it. For Travis, for Will, this is Chris saying, join us again next time for another exciting episode. Of Precisely. Ah! Kind of like
2: divine voice. <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Antonio Sabato, De Hoya, King Kong Bundy, where the heck have you been your schmuck LaCroix? Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I,
3: I like to randomly interject myself into your episode, even though I'm not an official member of the cast anymore. No, I, think that, that I think that's good. It, it beats out my Hell Rider. <laughs> well, I've got ten minutes until we get Eminem on the road, so uh, how is everybody? It feels oddly strange being back after being gone oh, like, for so long. Eminem the wrapper or the chocolate candy? Well, I mean, either one, I think. Like, Eminem the wrapper would probably be more delicious in some aspects than the chocolate candy, but the chocolate, the chocolate candy and the wrapper don't have a chewy in them,
1: so. Oh, is this no, episode 50? Have- they could be no. quite chewy. No, this is episode 47.
3: So you do oh, oh, Three- oh need this is a trailer for episode 50, then.
1: Awesome. Who's in my... Spoiler, b- you, uh, you missed us brewing a mono-green trading post deck, Jack.
3: Oh, that card is so good. Oh, my God. I The things I would say about that card if this cast was not PG still. <laughs> it, 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 people have no idea how much insane value that thing has. I think they're starting to learn very slowly.
1: I'll have a goat. I need a goat. Anybody got a goat?
3: No, I'm it's, make a... it's not even the goat. It's the... the cra- it's, 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 it's like... Okay, you know how all the time R&D, like, tosses you little tidbits of, like, canned synergy and crap, like, where they gave us Quill Spike and Devoted Druid years ago, right? Or even, like, some of the other cards just randomly having to work together really well. Trading mm-hmm. Post is all those cards rolled up into one, and it makes goats. Yeah.
1: Does Shroom yeah. like it, Jack? I bet she does
3: to be completely sincere with you, there was something missing from that deck, and I couldn't put my finger on it for the longest time. And then, basically, as soon as it was, as it was spoiled, I pre-ordered a copy. <laughs> it's so cool. It's like, the deck has gotten so much better because of Trading Post. I know that sounds stupid, but now you can do Intuition, Trading Post, Academy Ruins, Mindslaver.
1: You're a horrible man.
3: No, no, yeah, no. That, that's that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, how, how is that wrong? I mean, either way, I get to play Magic, so I don't care.
1: <laughs> nobody else does but meh
3: so <laughs> it's like do you, want, do you want the fist or do you want the foot <laughs> or do you want both fist and foot simultaneously
1: Speaking it depends which, where they're going you
3: guys have you guys seen Expendables 2 yet not yet don't nope. do that
1: okay <laughs> yeah
3: it, it has I barely tolerated
2: Expendables 1s I think I fell asleep
3: well this has Jean-Claude Van Damme in it and that is not a curse word for your PG listeners by the way that is a Frenchman who just happens to have a very funny last name
1: and he's from Belgium. Is he really? Yep. Yeah, he's Belgian.
3: Oh, I learn new things all the time. The bags under his <laughs> eyes like those actually, dirty French people. Yeah. The bags under his eyes actually make it look like he's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> and he's all right. wearing shades all through the movie to cover up that fact because I guess they had like so much money on the production budget for explosions and Arnold Schwarzenegger literally ripping the door off a car that they just didn't have enough left for his makeup which I, I'm sure was in the thousands of dollars.
1: So I'm actually uh, enjoying the fact that we now have two incredibly huge southern accents on the cast. So Jack randomly... Will. Hey, Will
2: does not have a southern accent. I don't care how many times you say it. <laughs> he sounds <laughs> perfectly
0: rare? Canadian. Does does the polar bear?
1: I, there's a story about the polar bear I'll tell you once we get off the air.
0: <laughs> speak better English than I do.
1: With Jack having popped in and given us a moment of geekery, I think we will really wrap this baby up. So on that note, for the surprise Jack, for Will, for Travis, and for the absent Adina, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde oh. of
3: Notions. Uh, can't say what I used to do on the air. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like there was a Jack in the box, and it sprung.